Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show. Today is Friday, Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans in our audience. Uh, uh, God bless you for the service that you've done for our country and uh, for other services that uh, you know, you're still doing for our country, being, being uh, honorable veterans that you are. Uh, two of them, at least two of them, on, on our staff at Hot Air, um, Beach Wellborn, Marine, and, uh, and Jazz Shaw in the Navy. And so happy Veterans Day to both of them as well. And uh, happy Veterans Day to Dwayne Generalissimo Patterson of the Hugh Hewitt Show, Master of the Universe, H-U-G-H-N-I-V-E-R-S-E.com. The troll-free web surfing experience for Hugh Hewitt fans and listeners. Uh, you know, we've had some news, not just this week, but really literally within the last hour or so, Dwayne. Um, where would you like to start? Um, what we are hopefully witnessing right now is um, we, we, we are witnessing Donald Trump uh floundering in the in the water trying to trying to grab for the life vest and drowning his rescuer um look what what's what's yeah. going on right now is is the desperate act of somebody trying to stay relevant um look i i understand that that goes it flies in the face of conventional wisdom you know donald trump is donald trump so if he decides to run, he's automatically going to win the primary by acclamation. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at all at this point. Look, there's two things that we can have as takeaways from the midterms thus far. And I, I tweeted this. I kind of alluded to it in a VIP column on, on Hotter this week. But um, and yesterday, expand, yeah. yesterday, I may expand more on it uh, on Monday, but look, the, the, there's two takeaways. Number one, I think a lot of Republicans, a lot of conservatives underestimated how much of an impact the Dobbs decision had on juicing turnout in different pockets of the country amongst women and and uh, Democrat voters, we we underestimated that. And as you uh, pointed out a couple of days yeah. ago in my after show, when you saw the uh, exit polling that showed that you know right up there at the top of the list of of issues that were of import were the abortion question, you knew that uh oh we're in trouble. Um, now on that issue, if that's one of the two takeaways, me as a pro lifer, me as a conservative. I'm happy to pay the price if if it's a even if it's a short and medium term price. I am willing to pay that price for constitutionally righting a wrong with the Roe v. Wade and Casey decisions, which were yeah, you know, a, a, constitu yeah. a constitutional travesty. If it meant that we 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 watered down our own political interests for the sake of getting the Constitution right, I'm all for it. Uh, I don't think there's as much long-term damage. I really don't because I think that conservatives and pro-lifers will eventually uh, refine their message and they can get to where the American people are, which is moving their direction decade by decade, year by year. I think eventually that issue will play more into a Republican's hands than it will the militant leftist hands, which is all abortion all the time, even up to the point of delivery. And in Montana's case now, even after delivery, if the kid survives the abortion and they're on the table, 
Well, yeah, that was terrible. That was that was really I, bad. I mean, I mean, so so the left has taken it to an extreme level. And I just over time don't think that's where the American people are at and, and won't be uh, as we as we keep going. So that's one part of the equation, one part of the takeaway. The other part of the takeaway is my gracious, everyone, all almost to a person, every one of Donald Trump's prime candidates, his picks. The primary candidates, right? The ones that he pushed in the primary, right. his, uh, challenging his, other Republicans in those primaries. The the, the ones that uh, Donald Trump kind of, through, through sheer force of will, uh, got through the primary process, in many cases, along with Democratic voters who played Operation Chaos very well, uh, those candidates all underperformed. Even J.D. Vance, who I like a lot, and I'm glad that he's going to be in the United States Senate, he underperformed um, Mike DeWine in Ohio by what, 15 points? Uh, I, I mean, it was a lot. Closer to 10, but yeah, I mean, it was a significant amount, right? Because I think DeWine ended up winning by like 16 points. Am I right he, about that? He won by a ton and a half. Yeah, yeah. It was not close. Um, and in the end, Vance's race wasn't really that close over, right? It was outside of margin of error, but yeah. he still underperformed where, where he could have been. Um, Dr. Oz, even though he became a very good campaigner in the last couple of months and really honed his message and I think was, was doing as well as he could, he could not overcome the hurdle of the Trump Association, number one, and the carpetbagging issue, which according to exit polling, carpetbagging was more important than John Fetterman not being able to form a sentence. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, know. I mean, it, it, to a certain and, extent, you can say, well, if you'd run Dave McCormick in that um, race, you, you win that you, race. It might, you, you'd probably win that race. But on the other hand, you're still dealing with an electorate that would rather elect a brain damaged um, cipher <laughs> than a guy who actually is compass mentis, right? Yes. <laughs> and so, I, and, I mean... And we're not even talking about Doug Mastriano, which... which, which well, I think was, that was, was actually the bigger issue on that Which, ballot, which, which right? was another Trump special. Yeah. I think Oz actually acquitted himself fairly well as a candidate in, in the long run. Uh, but I think Mastriano at the top of the ticket is what did a lot of the was, damage. I don't think Josh Shapiro would have ever lost that race. Would never have lost that race. But you take a look at neighboring New York and you see what Lee Zeldin's extremely competent campaign did, did to five ed did the five other GOP pickups in, That's right. in the House. Yes. Yeah. Although That's redistricting it. had some something to do with that. But still, Sean Patrick Maloney lost a D plus nine district as the DCC chair, which hasn't happened in 42 years. Correct. Mind you. So, so there, yeah. there, there was, there were elements out there. There was possibilities of a wave actually happen, uh, happening. Yes. And what and New York, it, you saw it in New York. You saw it in New York. You saw it in, in Florida. You saw it, you saw it in large, Texas. Well, I, I think largely in Texas. Large, the, largely only little, in Texas. the only real disappointment was the Rio Grande Valley. Yeah, which I thought that Republicans would sweep, but they didn't. The, the, the turd in the punch bowl was Maya Flores losing down, down, uh, down at the border. Again, who also ran a, a very good campaign. It's, you know, just she did the best she could. Correct. Um, but I think, I think that's look out near, issues look like, out. The, yeah, I think that's where issues like abortion may have uh, played a part too. Right. Uh, but look out in Arizona. At the top of the ticket. 
Arizona Cary Lake and uh, and Blake Masters are both severely underperforming. Um, even though Adam Laxalt's up for now, uh, I'm I'm growing increasingly pessimistic because yeah, I was I was more optimistic on your show than I am than I'm going to be on mine about Laxalt. Yeah, I, I I I they're going to keep they're going to keep dumping they're going to keep finding mail in Clark County until that thing uh, flips. I, I'm telling you that the, these I mean. This is a whole other issue, right? Uh, because they've been doing this. It's the same system that they've had for years in, in Nevada. This isn't new for Nevada. It's not new for um, Arizona either. But, I mean, they're going to have to figure out a way to count ballots faster. Well, actually, I mean, if, if Democrats keep winning there, no, they're not. Well, yeah, true. True. Because, I mean, because it's, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that it's taking this long. They they don't care. As long as they, they don't care as long as they keep winning. That's you see, that's that's what the problem is. But again, you you name every one of these candidates that that Donald Trump um, you know ginned up a special on, and um, we're left what we're going to be left with probably by the time we get to when we talk next week is we're hoping against hope that Donald Trump uh, seizes up somewhere, stays out of Georgia, and, and, and God intervenes and somehow pushes Herschel Walker over so that we can get back to a 50-50 tie. That's, that's now what the prospects are looking like. Yeah. And, and so what does Donald Trump do? He, he, he takes out yesterday on, on Ron DeSantis, who was busy doing his job as a governor as a hurricane was was sweeping the eastern part in in spine of florida right what what does donald trump now what cardinal sins did ron DeSantis do to earn the uh, premeditated uh, first strike of donald trump Remember well donald let's not forget that that strike actually took place last week right the ron de sanctimonious thing took place last week at oh rally. yeah it was at a rally bad. for a candidate in which Ron DeSantis had previously flown up there and campaigned for. Right. Well, so, I wouldn't blame that on the candidate. That was just Donald. No, Trump. no, no, no. Yeah. I, no, I understand. But what I'm saying is, is, is here are the three cardinal sins that Ron DeSantis committed to earn the wrath and the ire of Donald Trump. Number one. He traveled all over the country and campaigned for Trump chosen candidates. Boy, you can't do that and, 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 and not pay the price for that. Right. Number two, he never once said a bad word about Donald Trump in public. Boy, no. we, we can't we can't have that either. And number three, he dared to, to win in the in, in the biggest bright spot of the Republican cycle in uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, by winning in such a robust, sound fashion and, and earning minority vote and just showing everybody how to do it. That was the, that was the unforgivable sin. So Donald Trump, who is the counterpuncher in chief, right? He, 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 if you don't mess with him, he won't mess with you. But if you mess with him, he'll counterpunch uh, with, with the best of them. What exactly was the first blow there? Uh, well, the first blow was the fact that Ron DeSantis was tremendously successful in converting Florida from a uh, a, a, a blue edged purple state four years ago into a Republican club. Yeah, blood red in just four years. He did that in just four years. And uh, well, you can't have that. <laughs> and, and and I'll tell you, you want to know what the, you want to know what the, the real sin was? The real sin was the New York Post 
putting DeSantis's picture up on the front page with the headline, The Future. Yep. That's Donald Trump's favorite newspaper. It's part of the Murdoch empire too, which is a, sort of part of the story this week too. Which, um, which, which, which you're right. It's his favorite paper, but it's like a hate, it's like, it's like a hate read. I mean, he, 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 he hate loves the, the, the New York post, right? I think he hate loves the New York times. I think it's, I think up to this point, it's more been like love loves the, uh, the New York post. And that's the reason why that's done. And I guarantee you, that was the triggering event that that started the rant last night. Now, the rant last night, if you read the rant last night, it's kind of typical Donald Trump. Oh, he's Ron DeSantis was nothing. He was a loser before he came to me. He was crying and whining that he needed help. And I helped him out. I'm the one who who created his success. And and, uh, you know, without me, he'd be a loser. Look, that's standard. That's almost boilerplate Donald Trump. I mean, it's. The only thing really objectionable about that, two, the two things that are objectionable about one is just not true, uh, but the other is the timing of it. I mean, we kind of expected to hear this after the first of the year, right? Oh, but no, but there was objectionable content. The objectionable content was Donald Trump going after Ron DeSantis for closing down Florida for the pandemic. Well, yeah. Again, though, trying to trying to you know, shove off his own sins onto others. Again, sort of standard I mean, Donald Trump. I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's even worse than Joe Biden's uh, 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 history redefining that's been going on the last year and a half. I mean, what, what, well, they're fairly equal in that. The problem that the, the reason why Republicans get irritated about, about um, the way Biden's handled is that the, the media won't cover Biden the way that they covered Donald Trump. Right. I, I mean, they're, they're, they're two peas in the same pod when it comes to the truth. I mean, it's just, this is, and this has been, for that matter, so was Barack Obama, right? So <laughs> you want, if you if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your plan, you can keep your, keep plan. your plan. Right. The, right. The, I mean, and that's a lie, lie that mattered. That's a, that's a lie that actually mattered. Right. But still, the, the stuff with Ron DeSantis was pretty much typical Trump. The big objection to this last night was the timing of this. It was really inappropriate timing. We still have a runoff election in Georgia, for instance, so we don't need one, it we have, one, we have a runoff. Number two, again, there was a hurricane that was hitting the state. And, yeah. and, what, and what is Ron DeSantis doing? He's supposed, he's what? He's supposed to take take the bait and stop what he's doing as a hurricane's hitting and and yeah. and, and trade jabs with Trump and, and descend into the swamp? No, he's yeah. not going to do that. It's, it's just, it, it's just but, insanity. But, but the worst one was the one this morning, right? Okay, now. The worst one was the one aimed at Glenn Youngkin. Yeah, now here's. Of all people, who wasn't, even, who wasn't even in the mix, really. Okay. Uh, now, now, here's the thing about Glenn Youngkin, okay? I've been saying this on the after show for a good month, month and a half, maybe two months. Um, and. I'm just a dopey radio producer, right? You know, my two cents is, is worth just that two cents. Uh, my political analysis is worth is is worth just as much, but it's not hard to see what is what is taking shape as far as potential people uh, getting in and getting out, and how the twenty four yeah. stakes are gonna are gonna uh, sweep up. Outside of Trump, the top contender for the Republicans is Ron DeSantis. Everyone knows this. Uh, right? I'd, I'd actually argue at this point, the top contender is Ron DeSantis. Is Ron DeSantis. It, right. And, and that's part of the reason for the screed. But again, if Donald Trump gets in 
he's he's the black swan event god only knows what's going to happen but still ron DeSantis is yeah. is the top of the pack right if something happens to ron DeSantis, the guy i've been saying and it's not hard to see this coming the guy with the best case to make and I, you know i've been doing this series of the, you know the case for and against all these different people and i've been trying right. to stay objective and, and be neutral on it but now I'm putting on my just straight analyst hat of, of where reality is. If for whatever reason, DeSantis being the front runner gets all the slings and arrows and he has his 15 minutes in the front, even before he announces he's going, everybody starts carving out him, including Trump on his own side. And he falters for whatever reason. Right. Guy that's laying in the weeds, that's going to come out of nowhere and could mount a campaign like that and show the way to do it is Glenn Youngkin. Why? Yeah, because, I mean, right. Because he just won a blue state and turned it red and did it by appealing to independents and moms and and widening the base. And he and kept, avoiding them and avoiding the MAGA entanglements, avoiding the 2020 right. entanglements. He had he got the MAGA vote to vote for him. He also got the 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 school moms in the in the in the Nova, the you know, Northern Virginia moms even independents, even Democratic voting moms. He got them because he resonated with the issue and he did it in a winsome way without pissing them off. He right. showed how to win in a blue state. And looking at how the map went you know, on Tuesday night, you think maybe winning a blue state or two might come in handy in 2024. Uh, yeah. Maybe we might want to have somebody with gubernatorial experience that has shown he can get things done and and do so in a way that could be appealing in a, in a blue state um glenn youngkin's a guy that's that's out there that could that could jump in in a second he's not going to be the first one to announce he would be one of the last ones to announce yeah yeah but if but, he but, if he feels like the field is all of a sudden faltering and and he sees a path he could jump in in a second I've, I see this. Every political uh, uh, analyst in America can see this. Well, clearly it's, Trump sees it too. I mean, it, Trump it, sees it too. So that's why he goes after him this morning. So how well, does he it, go? I mean, it's not how does he, he go after him? He, call, he, he makes a reference to his name sounding Chinese, which is insane. <laughs> it's just insane. And as was, it was just pointed out on Twitter, by the way, you know the name Young Kim, Young, uh, Young Kin, because he, he spelled it Young and then Kin, right? Well, there's also a young Kim, who you know, <laughs> who is a Republican that I just voted for, who is who is my congresswoman, right? And she's is a, Korean. It, it, she's Korean and, or Korean American, I should say. She's Korean American. She's an American of Korean descent, and is a damn fine conservative. And is and is a conservative. I mean, <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even think about that when I my post just oh, I did. talking about this. Oh, I did. Yeah, young. Young Kin sounds it, that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese, doesn't it? Um, that's the that's the lead of his tweet on Truth Social uh, this morning. Got picked up. It's getting passed around. You know, I, I don't want to talk about this for the entire podcast, right? Because I think part of the issue here is that Trump just really wants to suck the uh, the oxygen out of the room and make himself the story. Yeah, of but you know what? The He's, week, he... the story of the month. He, he's going supernova and he's going to implode. There are. I think he's already imploding. You're seeing people who would normally be out defending him. This was after the Ron DeSantis thing last night, who were saying, you know, we really need to do you, rethink do you, this. Do you know? Do you know who he is in the process of losing right now? Daily Daily Wire. Uh, the yeah. entire. 
And Daily Wire. I saw Ben, I saw ben Shapiro's reaction to. Ben, I saw ben, ben, ben Shapiro's reaction to this morning's tweet or True Social. Ben, ben Shapiro was like, <laughs> he's. Yeah, it's like that Jonah Hill thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> actually, actually, he, he's not doing this. He's saying, you know, what the f? <laughs> yes, he's. <laughs> He's not being quiet about it. He's our, our mutual, our mutual friend Kurt Schlichter, who has been a fierce defender of Donald Trump, went to Nevada yeah. two years ago to try to fight in overtime and do uh, legal work uh, looking at the looking at the ballot irregularities. He's like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I I this no, just no. Um, there's lots of people that are Trump supporters that are bailing out on uh, on Trump over this because yep. um, their plan B was Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis didn't do anything wrong. And they're looking at, at Tuesday night going, why would you be dumping on the one bright spot we had Tuesday night? It's just, it's just an, ins the, the one I'm waiting to see um, is Mark Levin. Mark Levin by Wednesday night into into Thursday morning, was still saying, "Ah, you establishment people, they're trying to make this all about Trump and saying that his his uh, candidates didn't do well." You're you're missing the point. It's McConnell, it's McCarthy. You know, he he's he's. You know, I, I actually, you know, I read I read Levin's tweets on this, and you I think kind of mixed that, up. You didn't you mix it up with him a little bit too? No, no, I didn't mix it up with him. Okay, no, no, no I, I no because I thought he made some good points. Right. Uh, However. I would love to see, he's been radio silent since the screed last night, and I haven't seen him this morning. I, I'm i I'm genuinely curious to see Mark Levin try to defend Trump on this, say, well, he's right, you know, because there's not a lot of people out there that are saying he's right. Now, there's the fever swamp that are, going, that are only Trumpers. I'm not talking never Trumpers. I'm not talking about MAGA people. There's a, there's a section of the Republican base that are only Trumpers, meaning it's either Trump or nothing. And there, there, there's no substitute. If, if it's not Trump on the ballot or a Trump designated candidate on the ballot, count me out, I'm not going to vote. There, there's, a, there's a chunk of them that Trump's going to take with him, even if he goes off and does an, an independent campaign, if he doesn't get the nomination. Um, but what I think is happening, what we're seeing here is you're going to see a clearing of the field. I think people like Pompeo, I wouldn't even be surprised if people like um, Mike Pence, who was going to get, uh, you know, he's going to get in the game. He wants to get in the game, even though I don't think he's got a prayer. Um, at some point, you're seeing enough people go, okay, we have to turn the page. We have to move on. There are people in our company of employee that are die-hard MAGA red hat Trump supporters. You, I'm not going to name them all. I'm not going to go out and do all this public. No, but no, no, you, no, of course not. But, but you and I know who we're talking about. There's, you know, yeah. there, there's a couple of handfuls of people that we could talk about who are absolutely drunk the Kool-Aid pro-Trump guys. And that's fine. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a, a, a right to do that. After what happened last night, I'm sure this piling on is, is a one-two punch, but especially after what uh, Trump did last night, I'm hearing from a lot of those people within our company that are going, okay, that's it. I'm done. I, 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 I'm not doing this anymore. Look, I mean, I think, I think you're going to see that 
I think you're going to see that quite a bit. In fact, <clears throat> you know, Adam Baldwin and I do the amiable skeptics thing. We do two episodes a week, right? I I was we released. I I am dying to know what Adam thinks since yesterday. Well, we recorded it on Wednesday. I know. I know. So when you I'm get to the 24 discussion on Monday, it will be as of Wednesday. This is before the attack on DeSantis. Well, it, you know, the, the, the sanctimonious thing does come up because it had already taken place at the rally. Um, and that was, but that was just, that was, I mean, it was unnecessary. It was unseemly. Yeah. Um, but it was more I mean, just, it was more just a drive by last, but, last night was a declaration of yeah, war. But, but I mean, um, I think that, you know, <laughs> this is, this is a move on sort of incident, right? I mean, I think that the party was already leaning in that direction anyway. And, you know, I think Mark Levin had some good points to, to, to say about other leadership of the Republican Party. I don't think anybody's going to come out of this looking good either. But the fact is, is that you endorse candidates in primary so that you can claim to have the mantle of party leadership <laughs> when, the, when the general elections are done. And if your candidates don't come through, well, that's a bet that you've lost and the markers will get called in. So it's not I mean, it's not illegitimate to to make that criticism, along with other criticisms, too. And I think that there's there's a mix of things that went wrong in this midterm. Donald Trump is, I think, one of them, but he's not hard, hardly the only one. However, <laughs> on the basis of what's gone on the last two days, he's probably, you know, guys like Mitch McConnell are probably breathing a little easier because he's taken the heat off of them. <laughs> you know, Donald Trump is basically taking ownership of the fallout from this midterm, um, not necessarily explicitly, but just, you know, practically speaking, it's all going to fall on him. And look, again, I want to move on to a couple of other subjects, because once again, we've spent, you know, we've made him the center of politics. And I think well, that that's part of the issue, too. Well, th this is true, but what I'm what I'm hopeful of by making it the center of politics, this is like the supernova burning out. It's the brightest it gets before before it finally goes out. And I'm yeah. Well, he's got a lot I, of money, so I, I that he, supernova is going to go on for a very long time, man. And I think that I honestly think that after this, the best thing to do is just not to give him. Him a lot of a lot of oxygen. I think that that's the best thing to do. So you know. Uh, you know, I, I guess if you're trying to win a news cycle, he at least did that. It's a rather pyrrhic victory, I think. And I think or, it's but, driving but again, off a lot of his support. But again, how many how many people do you think that that just that just won over to a a, a potential campaign in the primary? How how many new Nobody. voters? How, Nobody. How, how many new voters in a Republican primary did he win by his stunt the last two days? Yeah, I, yeah nobody. Nobody. I don't think it, it, I think all it does is it confirms uh, among the hardest hardcore of his base that they're going to stand by him because so the they're, they're going to they're going to form a they're going to form a, um, a, you know, circle the wagons around him no matter what. But everybody else is going to walk away. Everybody else is going to walk away. So that then the only way he wins in a primary is if all of his only Trumpers vote for him along with Democrats crossing lines because they know he's toxic and they're gonna try and do an Operation Chaos again. That's the only way he wins a primary, right? Because women are, women, women Republican voters aren't gonna vote for him and, 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 and moderate Republicans aren't gonna vote for him. 
and conservatives are going to split off from them as well. Uh, conservatives are going to go for DeSantis or whoever else is in. This is totally speculative. We don't even know at this point if he's actually going to get in, although it certainly seems that way. But honestly, let's move on. <laughs> let's okay. everybody just move on because there's a, a, another couple of interesting stories that we want to get to, one of which is the fact that a federal judge uh, shot down Joe Biden's um, uh, student loan debt forgiveness program and not just shot it down with a temporary injunction. He jumped all the way to finding on the merits and issuing a, 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 a I think it's pronounced the Couture, um, <laughs> saying basically this program is over. It's unlawful. And it, it's, an ex, it's, it's an ex-parrot. It's it's an ex parrot. It uh, it, it, it it's it is no more. Uh, it has ceased. It ceased to be. <laughs> I I saw this last night. I thought, oh, we got a TRO. That's good because we needed a TRO to stop this, right? To make sure that the, the funds didn't get paid out. And I start reading through the, I start reading through the decision. It's like, wait a minute, this is on the merits. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> yeah, no, the, it's it's like with impunity, saying, get out of here with this. You can't do this, and you know you can't do this. Um, gonna, now they're going to they the benefit, they're they gonna the benefit out of it already, though. They, they got the they, right. He got the political benefit out of it, which is all he wanted. Right. Yeah, that's it. I, they knew that this thing was going to get tossed out. They just wanted to get it for the midterms. They wanted to goose turnout among young voters. And right now, they did. Apparently, they didn't. No, no. In, in in some pockets, they did. Well, they didn't get the they didn't get the youth vote turnout that they thought that they were getting. Uh, as it turns out, pun not intended, uh, the youth vote, uh, that youth wave never really materialized. David Strom had a piece on it this morning. We'll see more too as, as, as more polls get taken and more ballots come in. But right now it doesn't look like they goosed it a lot. It may have been enough, but they didn't goose it a lot. But yeah, they're going to appeal this. But, you know, this thing's in Texas, which means that the next level up is the Fifth Circuit, which has been very, very skeptical to the point of cynicism. Yeah about it, executive orders from president they're they're, they're gonna they're gonna appeal it to the fifth circuit who is not gonna take it and then their their next stop is to appeal it to the supremes and uh, i mean even if even if uh justice jackson decided to pick it up or or, or somebody wanted to wanted to pick it up i forget um, who's got i forget who's got the fifth circuit it's yeah not, I, I, I think it's justice jackson i think it's um I think it's one of the conservatives. I think it, it may be Alito, actually. I'm, I'm not sure who it is. But, Possibly. Um, but even if it was a, even if it was one of the liberals on the court that that oversaw the Fifth Circuit and and wanted to do it, trying to find you know four others that that want to take a look at it, they're not going to find it. Well, even if they did, so it takes time to move up the appeal chain. Um, I, I mean, there's no pressing. Um, uh, there's no pressing time frame on this. So you can't say uh, we need to expedite this because there's some irreparable harm that's going to happen if this thing isn't overturned. I mean, this is debt forgiveness that didn't exist prior to this program. And it wasn't, you know, it's not an emergency, in other words. Um, the Fifth Circuit is not going to take it. The Fifth Circuit's uh, almost certainly not going to take it, even on the standing issue, which I, I grant it was very clever. Judge Mark Pittman was very, very clever in this. 
which was that the the uh, Department of Education, I think, was the uh, defendant in this, or respondent, really, is, is the proper term, although Pittman uses defendant, right. uh, was saying that they didn't have standing. No one, act, no individual could actually have standing under this because no individual is harmed by this uh, program, blah, 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 blah. Um, and Pittman used the APA um, claim to find standing, which was that they didn't give them time to, they didn't give these particular uh, plaintiffs time to respond to um, to this proposed rule change and uh, and and work out uh, how they saw themselves being um, disadvantaged through it, and so therefore they have standing. I think that that's probably the weakest part of this decision and might be overturned. However, <laughs> by the time it gets overturned, I think it's pretty clear we're going to have a Republican House of Representatives. They're going to file a lawsuit maybe first day or second day. Um, against the um, bailout. And there's no doubt about their standing in this. Biden usurped their Article 1, their exclusive Article 1 um, uh, authority for appropriations. And there's no doubt about standing in this case, in, in that case. So even if, even if the Fifth Circuit overturns the standing decision and remands it back to Pittman, uh, who would then just issue a TRO while while they're they're working through that stuff, or if the Supreme Court did the same thing? By the time we even got to that stage, the House of Representatives are going to have a, a lawsuit filed, uh, almost too sweet, in yeah. uh, in the D.C. Circuit, and the standing issue isn't going to matter because they're going to absolutely have standing to file it, and then of course all the unconstitutional things that Pittman. Uh, lays out here will come into play again. This thing's dead. In other words, it's yeah, not coming it's, back. It, it's not coming back. No. Um, and, and and again, we knew it. It would have been nice if that decision got dropped last week instead of this week. But you know, you know, you 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 take what you uh, you take what you can get. Um, and I'm happy that this thing got halted before um, Biden really got underway with this because this. Even beyond the the politics of this, it this would have really constitutionally it would have, dangerous. This is well, one is constitutionally dangerous. Two, it would cost a half a trillion dollars that we don't have. Right. That we don't have. By the way, did you notice the um? Did you notice the line in there um uh, about not being ruled by um uh, an individual with a pen and a phone at the very end? Yes, <laughs> it's absolutely delicious. I love that. Nice little swipe at Barack Obama on the way out. Uh, they're not ruled by somebody with a pen and a phone. Uh, we're a constitutional republic um, with separations of powers to, you know, protect. We have a, we, yeah, we have, we, have, we have a body of 435 people that are supposed to write the laws. Yeah, yeah, I like that. All right, next next story in the last story today, um, because we've kind of covered the midterms as part of the whole Trump thing. Um, the Ukrainians took curse on today. <laughs> Uh, I'm seeing reports. I'm seeing reports that uh, in most places in the in the south of Ukraine, that Russians have fled virtually all of southern uh, uh, all of southern Ukraine. Yeah, um, I I mean, the, they were in, they had announced a few days ago. I think it was on the ninth. Um, so two days ago, they were they had announced that they were going to pull out of Kherson and and fall back in um, in order. And, and the Russian and the Russian the Russian administrator of Kherson, uh, Putin's appointee to kind of oversee that phase of the of, of the campaign of the theater. Yeah. He just he just died in a car accident. In a mysterious I... accident, yes. I, actually, 
I'm not sure he's dead yet. I think they, I think they, I think that he's dead, but they have, I don't know that they've actually confirmed that he's dead, but he's out of the way um, in some way or way, shape or form. And supposedly a car accident. I thought it, maybe it was another window failure, but. Um, yeah, I was, I, I didn't, I didn't know they had cars up, up on the parking garage for four floors up. Uh, yeah, on the sixth floor of the parking garage, this his car window failed. Um, this is a huge deal. I mean, Curson was one of their main objectives of this. That is the bridge. I mean, I mean, that's they, the they, land bridge in the Crimea. They, they just they just blew a bridge up uh, just uh, just uh, you know on their way out uh, for spite. But I mean, it was the literal and physical bridge to Crimea. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, yeah, that's the Kerch Bridge that they that they attacked. They didn't blow it up entirely, but it's it's not usable for large-scale resupply at the moment they're going to have to it's going to take months to repair so, that my guess is that ukraine's going to go after it again so if if kursan is no longer under russian occupation they can't hold crimea well they've got forces in crimea and don't forget they've got a, a naval base there but they, they the, do but they're Ukrainians, gonna, they're going to have a hard time holding that over time and that's crimea is where the attacks on um, the Ukrainian power grid have been originating from. They're flying right. drones out of Crimea, uh, basically from Iran. These are Iranian drones that they've been flying against. Um, but I'm thinking not much. I, I'm thinking not much longer. Because... No, well, they're not going to be able to get them in there. Right. Yeah, I mean they had to pull the ships out of Sevastopol at least temporarily because the Ukrainians were using drones to uh, damage the um, the Black Sea fleet that is uh, based there. Um, so. They're not going to resupply by sea. They're not going to resupply by land, and they're not going to resupply by air. They're essentially going to cut Crimea off. Now, it's not completely cut off. Kherson is 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 the main ground line of communication for Crimea. There are probably other alternate routes that they're using south of um, Kherson, but those aren't going to last long either. If the Russian forces have pulled back to the um, eastern bank of the uh, Dnipro River, which is what they are doing, and supposedly they're doing it in order rather than the route that took place in Kharkiv, which was the reason why they ordered, they finally ordered the retreat out of Kherson because it was, they can't afford to lose those units. Those units are the most effective, most trained units that they have. They were put in, they were put in, in, in that uh, Kherson Oblast because that was the most important objective of the war. <laughs> and, and they lost it. They're, they're having to retreat from it. And, Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Preskov was saying, this, no, this isn't an embarrassment for Vladimir Putin. Of course, it's an embarrassment for Vladimir Putin. He just they lost, lost critical. He just lost his most critical uh, war objective. They, they lost the objective. They've lost what? I mean, I think I think I heard Jake Sullivan this week say that uh, the estimates are that Russians have lost 100,000 of their military. So thus far in this campaign. Yeah, was that Millie? Was that Millie that uh, said that? That no, was that... I, was, I think it was Jake Sullivan. Was it Jake Sullivan? Well, I think Mark Millie also said the same thing. May, I mean, I'm sure they're working off the same, you know, the same. Working off the same yeah, sheet. Well, and you know, and and the UK Defense Ministry is issuing similar numbers. Um, ISW um, is now saying that there's not going to be a winter ceasefire because Ukraine's got the initiative and they've got no incentives for a ceasefire. This is going to look a little bit like a, um, a a lightweight Stalingrad unless they can pull the rest of those forces out of Ukraine. These guys are about to get shredded in the winter because they can't move. 
Um, I mean, just just since uh, you know, since uh, last weekend, uh, there are stats that you know, Russia's lost you know six tanks, uh, nineteen APVs, seven drones, at least seven drones. I mean, they're they're getting they're getting whacked. Yeah, they're getting their butts kicked. Um, this to me, I think. If there's going to be a settlement of this, um, it's going to have to come pretty soon. Putin's going to have to throw in the towel and try to get back to status quo ante, which is holding Crimea and um, allowing his um, and that's allowing going to be his proxies in, in Luhansk and Donetsk uh, to continue to operate as autonomous uh, zones there. And you see, that's that's going to be the catch is is uh, Zelensky is saying, I'm not even going to I'm not even willing to, to sit down and talk until he's out of Crimea. Yeah. Um, no, out of out of Ukraine entirely. Out, out all of Ukraine, Ukraine. All of it. Yeah. Yeah. He'll he'll enter into peace talks with them as soon as the Russians evacuate out of out of Ukraine entirely. That's now, what I now I think I I think he could moderate off of that and maybe you know you know Donetsk and 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 uh, the other one I'm I'm sure he could Luhansk. probably Luhansk. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that could be negotiated out and have some kind of a you know, some kind of a zone there that they could negotiate. But my guess is Zelensky wants Crimea. And if he gets Crimea back, he's he's he he's a big winner, right? Maybe. I still think I still think Zelensky's got the Michael Collins problem. He might. Uh, you know, which is hundred percent or nothing. Hundred percent or nothing. If he if he negotiates um Luhansk, Donetsk, Crimea, um but at this Russia, stage his own he, people are gonna kill him. <laughs> but it, but at this stage of the game, it's it's not it's not wrong for him to go for all or nothing when all he's seeing is the back of Russian uniforms, right? Yep, yep, yeah. I mean, I mean there's it, no reason for at this point he's got no incentive to sit down and talk because his his forces are have the, winning. Have, they have the momentum, they have the morale, uh, they the have the material, hand. and they're they're about ready to slice and dice up the Russian footprint in southern Ukraine. And they've already pretty much done that with Crimea now. They're, they've just about isolated Crimea, effectively at least. And I think that that's going to be there. I don't think that they're going to be um, pushing towards the Russian border. I think the next move is to push the Russians up into the Black Sea um, so that they can stop the attacks on the power grid. This yeah. is sort of like, you know, if you, want to, if you want another historical analogy, this is sort of like um, the status in the... Um, uh, late fall of 1944, when the Allies had to redirect forces uh, to attack the V2 launching sites in the uh, in the Low Countries, rather than continue to push into Germany, um, you know, with Patton's forces um, further to the south, because they because the V2s were starting to um, really find their targets in uh, in England, and they needed and they needed to stop that. Um, so that's probably what Zelensky's next move is, is secure Kherson, expand that footprint out over the next few weeks, and then sometime in the winter, uh, turn the attention to Crimea and just uh, push the Russians into the Black Sea. And, you know, if, you, if he's able to stop those lines of communication, it may not be that difficult. Those forces might end up getting starved out. And, um, and so, yeah, this is a very big story today. Uh, and it's probably not going to get as much attention as it should. 
but it is a very big story today and I hope it gets more attention than, than I think it's going to get. Agreed. Um, and, uh, and may it progress. May, may Russia still continue to collapse. Um, that's, that's, that's better for the world if they continue to do so. Yep. Slava Ukraini. Um, yeah. All right. Dwayne Journalismo Patterson. Um, you guys have had a great run this week on the Hugh Hewitt Show. What's coming up next for you on Monday? Um, Monday, uh, what do we, well, we're, we're hopeful to finally have a, a resolution uh, one way or the other, at least in Nevada. Um, I saw a call just in the last uh, half an hour, uh, decision desk, I think, or, no, uh, uh, Dave Wasserman, uh, over at, uh, Cook, right? Uh, re, uh redistrict Dave Wasserman. Uh, yeah. I think he's yeah. Cook, right? No, he's. Uh, he might be Cook. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's Cook. Yes. Yeah, I think he's Cook. They uh, they called the uh, they called the Arizona Senate race. Um, there's there there's just not enough votes out that um, they, they'd have they'd have to break whatever whatever is is left out in Arizona that hasn't been counted. They'd have to break eighty five fifteen for Blake Masters and. He's that one that. was always that one was always a reach. I mean, he was down like four or five points, you know. And, uh, and and every time they kept saying, "Well, you just wait till this next batch comes in. We're going to close that gap." And every batch that's come that that has come in, his 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 gap's gotten bigger. Um, it, it's it ain't happening. Um, and and Carrie Lake, she's she's still down twenty three, twenty seven thousand. Um, and they're running out of votes to count. I mean, there's still there's still some to do there, and there will be over the weekend. But um, I I have yet to see the big batch of, of vote coming in that's that she's up seventy five twenty five over over Katie Hobbs. Um, I I I think by the time we get to Monday, we're going to have a better landscape of of what we're looking at. Hopefully, we will have enough. Uh, uh, momentum to be able to call and and confirm that Kevin McCarthy is going to at least hold the house. We think he's going to get there, but it would be nice to know that for sure. Yeah, I think that what I'm looking at right now, you're looking at probably a base of 220. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm 222 is kind of where I'm thinking. Uh, you missed my Mr. Mom joke. That's I, it. I, no, I got I got the Mr. Mom. Two twenty, two twenty one, whatever, whatever it, takes. it takes. Come on, yeah. man. I, yeah, I got you. Try to stay with you. me here. Come on, let's keep up. <laughs> so that's coming up on Monday's show. Nine, uh, six a.m. Eastern time, five a.m. on God's time zone, three a.m. on the left coast. If you remember the universe, h u g h n i b e r s e dot com. The, Troll-free web surfing experience. You can watch that show and watch you and Dwayne live as they do it. Uh, if not, uh, you can be on the AM radio dial. Dwayne, what should people do if um, if they can't find the show on the AM radio dial? Well, it's, it's very clear. You go into a general manager's office and um, you sit down and you say, I see you still have not put on the Hugh Hewitt show. And if you do not do so right now, this guy right here is Donald Trump, and he will sit here and he will make ethnic Asian jokes about your about your name and lineage until you relent and put us on the air. How about them apples? I, I that was actually going to be sort of the thrust of mine, but I'll I'll go to my fallback position. I think you hired Dimitri Peskov to say, "Of course, Hugh Hewitt is on our AM radio dial." <laughs> Full Baghdad, Baghdad <laughs> Ivan, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Baghdad Dimitri. Baghdad Dimitri. There you yes. go. Uh, that's, you, have to, you have to go that route. Of course, you can just go to HughHewitt.com, listen to the audio stream there, which is probably a hell of a lot easier. Just saying. All right, Dwayne Jolissimo Patterson at Radio Blogger on Twitter. Thanks for being with us this week. My pleasure. All right, stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Hi, folks, it's Ed Morrissey. One more time, I just want to get this in on Election Day. This is VIP Week. We've got a lot of great stuff going on in VIP. We have the Amiable Skeptics with Adam Baldwin, uh, which is a great video series and we do have one episode in the clear. We posted it yesterday afternoon. So if you look for the amiable skeptics, you'll get a chance to uh, sit and watch what you haven't been able to see before because it's been behind the paywall. Adam Baldwin, actor from you know Firefly, from Chuck, from uh, Full Metal Jacket, started off in My Bodyguards. Friend of mine, he's incredibly intelligent. He is very passionate and very amiable. And so we have great discussions every week and about about different uh, about different topics, usually tied to current events. This week's episode, the one that's in the clear, is about the midterms. You're going to definitely want to get Adam's um, perspective on the midterms and how they are the mama bear midterms, which I think is a great way to describe this. That's yesterday in VIP. You don't have to be a VIP member to watch that particular episode, but join if you join the VIP and VIP Gold Members Club you will get a chance to see all of the episodes. You can go back and watch our previous episodes as well, as well as the ones that are coming on. You get a chance to read Dwayne Patterson. You get a chance to read Tom Jackson out of Tampa, Florida, who's a longtime reporter and columnist who's uh, giving us exclusive uh, insights into what's happening in Florida, which is key for this cycle and the next. Uh, so you're definitely going to want to read that. You're going to also get uh, VIP content from... Uh, from David Strom, from myself, from Jazz Shaw. Uh, other town hall media writers have uh, chimed in. Sam Jay did a VIP post for us yesterday. And, of course, a VIP Gold Chat with Cam Edwards every Wednesday afternoon. We're going to be doing that tomorrow as well. That will also be in the clear so people get a chance to see what it is that they're missing. And then after that, it's back behind the paywall. So this week only, this week only, you can sign up and save 45%. It's our best discount ever, 45%, by putting in the promo code VIPWEEK, all caps, all one word, VIPWEEK, and join our VIP and VIP Gold Membership Clubs. It's what allows us to make sure that we are not going to come under the thumb of big tech and advertisers and the DHS's uh, attempts to moderate and manipulate public, uh, public debate and dissent. It's what keeps us independent. It's what keeps us working with you to make sure that America remains free and independent. So VIP week is the promo code 45% off this week only. Be sure to sign up. Thank you very much. And thanks for watching the Ed Morrissey Show.